Bad things happen in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. And what you gonna do? Big, massive dump. Know your mouth and shut your roll. Oh, man. You don't know what our times are, Dennis. That was perfect. All right. You know what we never really did um, was like actually introduce ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I just started recording. We turned them on and we didn't really do much else. Right. Um, and I always feel like, oh, we're back. And we never really do. Um, so I think I'm going to have to change like the intro going forward to do like something like you're here with the driveway athletes, you know, like. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that is like, like a standard radio jargon thing to do tv whatever you always introduce yourself it's yeah. like number one we're, we're, <laughs> i should know better <laughs> well we're bush league over here you know yeah bush league <laughs> we were tarring up the ball you know um so we are the we are we are back i am jack you are ed I'm a, I am Ed. <laughs> <laughs> this is our what we what has been the like once a week, um, usually posts on Thursday morning uh, podcast. Um, yep. For most of the football season, we talked fantasy football and, and preseason. Uh, we're going to branch out a lot more now that we're really hitting the fantasy playoffs, and this has been the worst fantasy season of my life. Um, yeah, I mean. I agree. It's it, and it's winding down. I I don't know if people feel the same as we do, but this year's football season is is just different. You know, I would go so far as to calling it dog shit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I agree. Uh, All right. Just not only. I think that. We discounted a lot, and I know I've mentioned this so many times. We discounted a lot of the impact of losing preseason and what it did for offensive linemen. Um, right. I feel like most teams' running games was not good, and I feel like because offensive line is such like a communication, and like it usually takes a couple years of guys being together to get like in sync, and I just feel like it's trickled down to a lot of problems, and on top of it, injuries. Um, so it's just. You know, and, it, and Tuesday games at three o'clock, yeah, like, yeah, like it, it's stuff it's like terrible. that. I mean, it's it's yeah, it it's it's not been a fun season for sure. No, but I mean, uh, we're going to do something really off topic tonight. But uh, we got basketball in about two weeks. Oh yeah. Um, Sixers made a lot of changes. I'm I'm actually pretty excited to see what that product's going to look like. Um, feels like they've finally put a roster together to like optimize their two main players. Yeah, and I feel like we should have seen it coming like from last year that those pieces weren't going to work. I mean, you really need shooters to, especially on this team, because. Ben doesn't shoot the ball, and Embiid is a ridiculous 
talent, but again, he to be effective, he needs somebody to kick it out to. You know what I mean? Like a space generator. Yeah. So, and he I can't... feel as though they got they tried to get that. You know what I mean? I mean, we'll see how it works out. We'll see what the starting five looks like. But they went out and got one of the highest percentage three, you know, highest three point shooters in the league. Yeah, they did. You know, so it's not like and Danny Green, you know, not a bad shooter either. No. Um, and I I feel like they all with with changing the coach. I I feel like by the time the playoffs rolled around, Brett Brown had really lost the locker room. I just don't for think, sure. Yeah, I think that like we everybody assumed that it was Jimmy Butler having an issue with Ben Simmons, but it seems like it really was about the front office and the coach. Um, and I feel like a lot of players kind of resented what happened there, especially Embiid. Yeah, and then they come back the following season, and you, you don't put any shooters around Ben and Joe. Like, I mean, it just wasn't a good a good fit no, for they're... Al Horford and um, Josh Richardson. Like, yeah, that that that's. It just they wanted work. to play this big game, and that's really not how the NBA works. Well, it's not know? the '90s anymore. The the, right. the rules of what you do, you know, you're back to the basket, big man. That's a dying thing. You know, the game just doesn't like the way that they when they change rules. Like, there's trends that happen, and one of them is this guy like three point shooting has gotten a lot better, right? It's not just a small handful of guys, but when you change different rules about how teams can play defense and um, whatnot, it, it, it changes the way the floor gets spaced. Yeah. I also think like this whole thing is going to help like to bias too. Like, well, the pressure, what he's, you know, he's like, not, he's, right. He's not going to be under pressure to, to hit those threes. No, and which, that's not the strongest part of his game. You know, like he's yeah. a decent player. He's not a bad player, but he can't be your sniper. No, he's not, and I feel like he's going to be able to – the pressure's off, and he will be able to hit those shots, you know, or open shots. Well, you're not going to basically be able to play so much off the other players, and I feel yeah. like basically defenses could come down and key on, on Harris and key on Joe, you know, and you didn't have to worry about much else coming from the from the field. So we'll see. Yeah, they'll, and they're sounds like they're going to play a lot more pick and roll too. Well, so. different coach, you know, different right. coach is going to play, and, and and then we'll close the Sixers on this. Like, I, everybody, like I think people get a little too caught up with Ben Simmons, and I feel like I feel like this is another player that is an all star that we make into a lightning rod. Like he doesn't do anything controversial, you know. He doesn't. He's just not the player that one right now as a stands in his career he's not the player that people want him to be but he's a all-world player he's an all-star yeah i mean and yes he's a all-world defender passer breakout he can run the you know the point guard if you you know like once getting into the half court his skills kind of diminish but yeah but he's got um, great vision 
he does great anticipation he's a good you know like really feels the game and uh people forget just how young he actually is and right. uh you know like Blake Griffin eventually got a shot you know like and he was probably the same kind of shooter that Simmons is he's very reluctant he always wanted to go for the dunk you know and it, and it, and if later in career he was able to develop a shot, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's not going to happen for Ben. Um, and I just we'll see, right? We'll see, <laughs> but um, I I just am not willing to jump on that wagon of like of the hate, you know? Like I don't know. Like I was, I did a guest spot on a a, a podcast. The the people who asked me to. To me and you, really, to be in the fantasy hockey league, and this city just has an obsession with running guys out of town or just not liking, like liking players for, like disliking guys with great athletic ability and liking players that work hard, even though they might not have that. And that's like a great way to teach children, but it's not necessarily a great way to run a franchise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you're. 100% right there and me and you had this uh, text conversation about like Lindros and Brendan Moore you know like you can which, go down the list too you can go down the list right um, the city didn't love Cole Hamels and a, a World Series MVP and they were in love with Aaron Rowan because he ran into a wall you know or Chris right. Cliff Lee yawned when he made a catch against the Yankees but hey but if you listen to sports talk radio would bash um i just cole hamels you know right. they, they they hated ryan howard by by the end yeah i just but still loved Utley while he wasn't producing you know he was done and, you know like part of the turnoff to me with flyers fans i guess like um, shoot that ends that and like loving the fighter like i'm sorry it's cool back in the day but like like score me a goal like goals win fighting doesn't win all right like it just doesn't well, that's it, not the game anymore even when it was more part of the game in the 90s it this isn't 1973 you know like yeah i mean it's that didn't win us a cup like it's entertaining, okay? But you know what's more entertaining? Like winning to me. You, you think? <laughs> you think? Right. Um. And that is it. Like, and even just as much as fighting, honestly, the obsession with big hits for hockey is in there too because that's a dying thing. You know, like we went into playoff series in the last twenty or ten years with bigger lineups and guess what speed killed us you know like you need to be it fast. always does it, uh, look, yeah when it comes to speed against power speed wins nine times out of ten you know and i just feel like i don't know uh people get hung up on the on an outdated thing and then they hate you know like Claude Giroux has been a top five point getter for a good part of his career, and the city just doesn't like him. Well, yes, I, and I don't 
I think it's more to do, unfortunately, in his situation, like, I think it's, it's the, um, it's more of the franchise than, than that player. You know what I mean? He happens to be the captain of a franchise that didn't build correctly. Well, you they know. they went right. So so after the 2010 Cup run, they kind of implode, and they go out and make some bad signings, um, and then it haunts them um, for a while. And then they basically go through their own quote unquote process without being honest with the fans. And they did it different than the Sixers, where the Sixers just said, "Look, we're going to be really bad." Um, yeah. And they did it different because hockey's not quite the same. Usually, unless it's even even when it's Crosby or McDavid, you need more. You know, like you're not on the f- ice as much as you're on the court, so it's a lot harder to right. That, yeah. right? Um, Correct. But they went through their own process of shedding bad contracts and and drafting players and not trading away draft picks, and. Um, they went through their own process there, and I just don't feel like that they were that honest, and they didn't really put that great of a price. You know, they tried to make moves that they could make without sacrificing, but didn't really put a contender on the ice, and we had to watch the the Penguins be dominant. You know, and yeah. that's like if if Dallas was really good this year, and the Eagles were put in the product that they're putting on the field, the city would riot. And I feel like that went on for 10 years. And Giroux was their best player, therefore a captain, and he eats a lot of criticism. Even though he's been pretty good, he's just not Crosby. You know, like, who is? And, like, unfairly, like, and that was it 2010 where the coach called him like the second best or third best player in in the world. Like no, 2010 he was like it was like a oh, right. he was he really was like young. Yeah, yeah, he was really young. Uh, he was like playing third or fourth line minutes back then. But it was um, Laviolette. Laviolette. Right? Yeah, did did say that and um, probably correct. But the team had so many deficiencies. You know, like you one player. This isn't an era where like you can get through like, and and I keep saying the nineties, but the nineties, they did so much clutching and grabbing. You could really get through with subpar talent. If they were good enough at clutching and grabbing, um, this era is not that way. You have to be good and you have to be good. Three lines. You can't be just one line, you know, like those nineties teams of the flyers that were basically one line teams that wouldn't cut it in today's NHL. No, it, it absolutely wouldn't. So, but we're the here. top topic of the day. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna do the topic, but I think we're also gonna say um, future episodes. Uh, maybe next week, maybe later. We're gonna do since we broached that topic last week. We're gonna do some retro gaming and come back. And maybe what we'll do is we'll pick one game per system and go through. Sounds good. Yeah, um, and talk about. Memories like of the game, and, and if, if it, it holds, holds up. up. Yep. Yeah. Now, obviously, like some of the games that we talked about for PlayStation One, like we're not. Well, you might be able to play the Final Fantasy VII remake on PlayStation. I don't have that option, 
Uh, so obviously, we're that's a very long game. You know, that's right. that's might fit into a different category for a later topic. Um, but we're going to go through and, and we'll start with probably like Nintendo. Um, we'll each pick a game from that era, and then we'll pick a game from the Sega or Super Nintendo era, and then PlayStation or Nintendo sixty four, and we'll work our way up. Um, but today we're here to talk about um, superhero movies. Yes, I, I forget. Like, why did we decide to to do this? Was it like just a like we were texting with one another and you pitched it to me. Uh, right. I said, I'd, li- I'd like to talk about our 10, like our, our ranking of 10 superhero right. movies. Right. Um, and basically when we were doing the show prep, I said like, we don't have to do a compare and contrast and like, like we did with player rankings where it's like, explain your reason here. This is so much right. preference. Um, it's more or less, we're going to talk about some of the sames in our list and then we'll talk about um, what we like and don't like in uh, some of them as well and why some movies fall backward um, right. and then we'll talk about some movies that don't make the list that don't maybe fit our parameters and some honorable mentions and then maybe just some fun you know like this is a genre that borders like it's like action movies but with some drama and some you know superhero things i mean it actually has become my favorite source of entertainment like in the past like few years you know like i kind of like geek out to it actually (laughs) well which is also funny to me like that that this has taken off the way it is because like as someone who, when they were younger, uh, had comic books, maybe I wasn't like a huge comic book person, but would get a comic book. I think, you know, my parents would get me a comic book a week or so when like, well, we used to go to a comic book store. We did. We did. And, um, it was pretty, I mean, like not considered the coolest thing to do. No, you know, like, but I feel like we also straddled a world where we did that and then somehow played sports all day, every day, um, which is not <laughs> common. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Like we were like geeks, but jocks at the same time. <laughs> yeah. It, it kind of, um, straddles a weird, weird, right. weird world there. And I don't think like, I think that that kind of stuff is a lot more prevalent now than when we were younger like I think that kids kids are I don't think they're any more mean I think they have more access to each other's lives which makes it more difficult but I also think that there's a lot more acceptance of avant-garde or um, other stuff you know like it's not like if you were good at school you were a nerd you know like it's not quite the way it is now you know like No, no 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 Um, I just think the way that that stuff works. So back then, like comic book, not the coolest thing you could be doing, but nonetheless, it's crazy to me that this has become such a big world. Oh, I mean, it's a multi, multi billion dollar industry. Yeah. Well, it also like same thing with, I mean, it's a moneymaker, dude. Yeah. But same thing with Game of Thrones, like a fantasy 
world that it straddles a line between like what would be like an RPG um, for anybody that played role playing games like Game of Thrones straddled what like Dungeons and Dragons would be you know oh, or, yeah 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 and the fact that that was so huge, you know, like that people were so many people, it was mainstream to be in a show, be about a show that had dragons in it. Yeah, I mean, that would, yeah, that's a good, good question. Like, would that have worked 20 years ago? I, I don't know. It's hard to say, right? Something's just hit at the right time, you right. know, like, but nonetheless, it's crazy to me with those things being what they were when we were younger and young adults to see them be such huge mainstream things. I mean, geez, some of these, you know, comic book movies obviously have been going on for a long time, but as far as being blockbusters and mainstream successes, there's a lot of movies. It's not like it's just the best of the genre. Right. Um, and just to branch off like a little bit, like, for some reason, I compare, like, the the superhero movies to, say, like, Star Wars. And, and in my head, I'm like, why aren't the heads of the Star Wars franchise doing the same thing that the heads of these comic book movies or superhero movies are doing? Like, um... Like, we've had these discussions before, like... Um, the way yeah, you introduce like, a character... Just this way, whole story arc. Yeah, well, yeah like, exactly. Like, like basically, just, you have, like, an Avengers. Now that we're yeah. that far in, it introduces a new character, then that character gets a, their own standalone series, and then they are brought back into the team movie, you know, like, and then you have yeah. a certain amount of team movies in between, and... Um, then it all gets tied together. And then it all gets tied together. And it all right. feels like it fits. It's not forced, right? Like there's a, right. there was a long plan for how this works. You don't have these holes in your plot that you have to go back and fix, which Star Wars is kind of famous for. Right. And like I feel like some parts of that Star Wars franchise are getting that. Like if you watch The Mandalorian, you can kind of see that happening, right? Like they took a page out of the Marvel I mean, like, they're all owned by the same company. Now, yeah. <laughs> now, they are. But so, like, if you watch The Mandalorian, you can see where, like, they're filling the plot holes of the series, the trilogy that just came yeah, out. The, the newest trilogy. And some of that you might be getting from, like, again, you're, you're, John Favreau is, um, what is he, the direct, like, a producer of Yeah, I mean, he's a major part of the that. Well, he must be, yeah, he, like, he's directed Marvel movies, now he's directing The Mandalorian, he was in some Marvel movies, like... Happy, yeah. Happy, right, like, um, I feel like, yeah, he has brought that thinking into the, that Star Wars franchise, like, like... The they're also digging into the like expanded and this is like super nerd culture, but I learned this because of the Mandalorian and whatnot. Um, they, they're digging a lot into like the written, like the, like star Wars has their own comic books and they have books. They have novels, right? Yeah. yeah. And they're, 
they're mining that material because a lot of that stuff that's written is actually written really well. Um, and, and I think it's supposed, supposed to be like part of the canon of the it, of the series. It, right? ha- like, it has become like there was. Right. I don't think that that was part of the original vision. Like, and when I say original vision, I mean episodes one through six, not necessarily the what has become the new vision. Right. Um. But yes, I do believe it is accepted canon for a lot of stuff and there's a lot of material out there that's very well written and that's why you're getting some of these um, I, I forget what phrase I was using but sto- like main story or Skywalker story adjacent stuff that's really really good mm-hmm. um, is because they're mining these things that have been built for a long time right um, now when we're, we're we're going to discuss our list. Like, obviously not everything on our, my list is from, uh, the Marvel comic universe. So, which I, the Marvel comic universe, I hold in like really high regard just because like, I don't know, like, cause it's done so it's well and tie together. It's brilliant. Yeah. yeah like it, it's become, brilliant and we'll discuss some of why it is so but uh we had parameters like we can start right. there so our okay. parameters were that we it was only live action no cartoons um and you and i kind of both agreed that if we had animation in there or see you know like um that into the spider-verse would be part of our list yeah 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 i mean that is fantastic like if you have not watched uh into the spider like that is a must it it's it's brilliant like the writing the animation everything All it's of just it. a brilliant brilliant like movie so. um and the idea is just as the name suggests um spider-man exists in a multiverse you know, if you're familiar with multiverse theory, I think everybody kind of is at this point um, that Spider-Man exists in different forms throughout the multiverse, and right. they're traversing and, and being part of other each other's worlds. Which the rumor has it that Spider-Man, like the newest Spider-Man with Tom Holland, is going to explore that. It makes a lot of sense because of the success of into right. the Spider-Verse, you know, like you might as well explore it. You know, you've, you, it, there, it's popular. There's a, with the best thing about multiverse is that it makes stories infinite. The worst thing about multiverse is that it can feel like time travel, which I usually hate in movies because it, things get too convoluted. Right. Um, so it was live action. And then we said, really, um, we can mine comic like it can just be a comic movie, but neither of us went there. We stuck with the superhero theme, right? And <laughs> like our lists are pretty different, but we do have a consensus number one. So I'll I'll say that much. Um, so I, I and I would like to go in reverse order here. Makes sense. Makes so, sense. I can start with my 10. Okay. So my 10 was Black Panther. Okay. Um, 
I really liked the Black Panther introduction in Civil War. Um, I feel like that was done really well. Uh, I don't find Black Panther to be as great as a lot of people who do these lists do. But it is an enjoyable movie. Um, and, you know, therefore it falls in my 10 and not in my top 5. Or But it also doesn't fall outside. Right. Um, and I guess for me, like... I think it's a fantastic movie, but the the rewatchability of the movie is I think I watched lacking. it once. I watched yeah, it once. It's lacking to me. Yeah. So and because there's a movie in your top ten and, and but isn't it mine, however, it's probably the one that I've seen the most. Like I've watched the most. So rewatchability doesn't always make for the best movie or right. Or sure. reverse, right? Like, doesn't always make it a bad movie. Correct. It doesn't. Um, but I have, I agree with you. I have only watched it the one time. I don't necessarily think that it has a high um, replay value, but it is, it is good. Yes, and it's a really cool character, and the the world that he lives in is is actually really cool and plays like a huge part in. Uh, the Marvel Comics uh, universe. Especially the last two. Sure, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, I agree with you. Which is also why it falls maybe outside of your top ten and at ten for me. Right. Um, so what is your ten? So my ten is uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. And so Spider-Man probably was my favorite character as a kid um, reading all, like his comics and everything like that the and cartoon was really good when we were younger it so. was and I needed a Spider-Man in my top 10 because, because the character you like the because character of the much. character and I love the character I do think that Tom Holland is the best actual Peter Parker he is. Um, he's believable as a teenager, which I feel like Tobey Maguire feels a little old. A little bit, and the reason I don't have the like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man is at times that movie felt a little campy to me, and I despise the you despise camp. The, <laughs> Yes, I I despise the villain. I thought it was a good choice for the villain, but that I thought it was just terrible, like execution with the costume and and quite frankly the 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 actor and it, it just didn't do anything before me. And then the second one was pretty good with Doctor Octopus. I I enjoyed that. That is on my Third, list. The, the third one is, one is where, like, that part, like, it all fell apart. It's terrible. The third right. one is terrible. And then when they reintroduce Spider-Man with, uh, what's his name, uh, Garfield. Um, the Amazing Spider-Man. The Amazing Spider-Man. It's a very comic book thing to do is put, a like, an adjective in front of it, and right. it's a whole different yes. story. Right. Um, also, really, then do it for me either uh, but when they when they brought back this Spider-Man 
as a standalone because this Spider-Man he appeared in Civil War also. Um, Homecoming. I thought they did an excellent job. I really liked the villain in it. I love how they tied it back into the the uh, Marvel comic universe. And I thought it was just a really good execution of that character. So that's why that's in my 10 slot. And what I liked that they did with this is we didn't get an origin story. Correct. Yes. I didn't have to see him get bit by a spider and go through those things. We don't know quite if he actually has web-making ability himself or it's devices because he is himself an engineer. You know, Right, like... like yeah, um, and I just part of the reason why the movie does it for me is is the villain and why and it's tied into the whole universe. You know what I mean? Like it lives they there. Give, yeah, they give a good reason, like why, like the villain's doing what he's doing, and you know, of course, like. Um, Iron Man and Tony Stark appear in it. It's just and happy, and happy, right? And I just think it's it just ties things together better for me than any of the other Spider Mans. Well, they exist, right? They exist outside of the MCU. They do. I just think the execution of the movie was just just better. Well, for Michael me. Keaton is excellent, right? You know, he like... is for sure, right? Um, ominous character um, can ha- like Willem Dafoe it, while a great actor I feel like Michael Keaton is very like he's not he doesn't have to be anything more than himself and he can be like ominous and threatening just with the tone of his voice and I think Correct. Willem yeah. Dafoe has to have this goofy laugh and um <laughs> And, yeah. and and he needs the costume, and I think that Michael Keaton, because you know, is just that that good. Right, I agree. So then, my nine is Deadpool, which like it it um like they is Deadpool rated R? It, ha- I it mean, is, and they okay. took advantage of having a rated R. Yeah, like, they definitely... I I love how they did that with that character. Like, um... Yeah, like... I I just like how they branched out with that character to to do that. And they tie him in a bit, you know, a bit with the X-Men. Um... But it's, it's it's a superhero movie that kind of, like, doesn't take itself seriously at all. But is still dramatic enough for you to care about the story yeah yeah and the villains and you know the main thing with deadpool is the character the comic book character is like literally insane and (laughs) hears voices and stuff you know like and but also says these ridiculously funny things or, or you know like as best comics can do and um i just feel like you get this where it works in Deadpool is where sometimes it fails in Captain Marvel. It doesn't feel like in Deadpool it's searching for the best comeback. Where like Captain Marvel always has to have the best thing to say back. Right. At the moment. And honestly, like 
perfect casting with Ryan Ryan Reynolds. Oh like, yeah. I mean, he is like amazing in this movie. Yeah. So your nine? My nine is Iron Man. Um, Iron Man one. The first Iron Man is. That's he ends up in the cave. Yeah. So origin story. Um, and this kind of this Iron Man really launched this version. Like the these most, the, basically it launched universe. the the Marvel comic universe. Well, um, and I feel like it gave you a chance because this is um, a good villain that's not over the top. You know, grounded right. in reality as much as this world can be, um, is not does not need you know the same thing. A maniacal laugh, a, a goofy costume does not you know like it shows that you can take this kind of movie seriously. Yes, and um, yeah, and it, like I said, it was like the launch of the universe, and uh, Robert Dan- Downey Jr. is the perfect like like when you say Ryan Reynolds is perfect for Deadpool Robert Downey is perfect for Iron Man and Tony Stark um so I love like how they kind of launched the the whole entire Marvel franchise surrounded by like really a character that yes was popular in comics but I feel like was a um, a gamble for kind of starting the whole universe out with, and also like Tony Stark in in comics is not as big a character as Tony Stark is in the movies. Um, Iron Man Correct. is the comic, you know, like right. Um, it's not even like Clark Kent Superman. It's even less. It's like if Superman were Superman seventy five percent of the time, you know, like. Um, but because Robert Downey Jr., again, um, with his delivery, he's got a very good delivery for having smart-ass comments and whatnot, and it just works to outsize that character more. Right. Um, and also brings you a relatable billionaire, um, which um, <laughs> some other similar characters are and I feel like maybe like that time period too was like we started to get really really great like special effects too they did it right right the technology gets there at the right time right you know you don't have terrible green screens and string you know like visible strings or (laughs) um so then my eight is actually Spider-Man 2 from 2004. So this is the um, Spider-Man with Dr. Octopus. Uh, probably the best of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Men. Spider Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, who is it? Uh, Molina? It's his yes. first name, Andrew Molina. Yeah. He, he is potentially, he's rumored to be in the new Spider-Man. He is. Um Revising his Doctor Octopus character, correct to try to go along with like that whole like multiverse um, theme. theme. Yeah. Um. But again, like, so Spider 
the spider the original spider-man i believe came out around the time of one of the star wars movies uh the prequels yeah i think it came out in 2005 i think no or yeah maybe it was 04 and then spider-man 2 came out in 06 but, um, yeah, I think you're right. I think it came out around the time of Revenge of the Sith. I could be wrong, but I just remember like Star those Star Wars movies being a big disappointment. But that Spider Man movie, th- these Spider Man movies, not feeling that way. And you know, this one has got the infamous like train scene. Um, it's got a, a lot of good parts to it. Um, and Doc yeah, Octopus... Spider Man Two came out in 04. 04. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Doctor Octopus is a good villain, right? Um, Great villain, yeah. And and the acting is done well. Um, so uh, there it is at my eight. And then your eight is my eight is the Avengers. Um, this is the like Marvel presents the Avengers or whatever way that that's. Um, it's the first Avengers movie, right? The very first Avengers movie, Loki. yeah. Um, Loki, yeah. Uh, this is when you get all these ca- for the first time is where you get all the characters together. You know what I mean? Like you get Iron Man, you get Captain America, Thor, Hulk, uh, Hulk, uh, Black Widow, Black Widow, and Hawkeye. Like get them all together and really like I feel as though like this really really kicks off like the plan for uh, the MCU and what's going to happen like in the future Um, I think it was so like well executed Um, great special effects the story to me is fantastic uh, yeah, like this belongs in anybody's top ten to me. I I understand. Um, I know it's not in yours. Yeah, but I like. There are things I really like about it, and one of the things that I do like is it sets up. It, it, again, accepting space characters and it not being terrible. Right. Right. Like it. It sets up. Because if this falls flat, you don't get the rest. No. Right? Like, if this doesn't work, you don't get the rest. And it sets up that part. Um, I don't... I think about it. It sets up, like... It sets up my number 10. It sets up a lot... Of, it sets up a lot of stuff. Like, Spider-Man Homecoming, the reason why that... The, the villain is taking the weapons off of yeah. the the destroyed the aliens the spaceships in, yep. right so I mean it's just it sets up all of it because right. you don't get there's so many parts and, and again this is the genius of making sure you have a plan from the jump you don't have to fill your problems in and, and with your you know your, your or your plot holes in when you have a plan from the jump everything kind of complements the next thing and uh, with without this there's so many things that were already probably written 
when this, you know, when they're filming this. And right. And I really like all the characters, like interactions with one another, like, um, and I, I gotta say, like a lot of the uh, movies on my list, like, I, like comes with really, really great acting. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they. Well, they got A-list making, actors. Yeah, I mean, they they really took these movies, like, seriously in, in who they decided to cast. They, they cast, like, really, really great actors. And which is also maybe why they, these all worked so well, right? Is Correct. you don't have someone who's not believable delivering dry lines that you don't, you know, like, that make you not like the person. Right. Um. It, it it brings again so much of of this stuff it brings a believability which is so necessary when you're talking about people who are able to do thing or characters are able to do things that are physically impossible and if you don't right. have an actor that you believe doing it you you lose and look there have been really good actors that have tried to do the hulk and it's not worked that well. And Mark Ruffalo no, is no, no. one of the only. Right. Like, yeah, like, uh, Ed Norton's is, like, borders on, like, if you look up, uh, you know, like, Marvel Comic Universe, like, it borders if it belongs in it or not. Um, I don't think it does. So, but not, nonetheless, point being is is like, I mean, if again, like you don't picture Mark Ruff, Ruffalo as the Hulk, but he's such a good actor. Correct. Yes, you. Great point. Great point. Um, whereas you, and again, you see a different. Edward Norton's a great actor, but it does it just doesn't work. Um, and this is cast so well, and the actors do such a good job, it makes you accept these things. Right. Great villain in it, I think. Like, Every... And we'll get to the top, because I feel like there are some common themes when we when we kind of get towards the end. I don't want to unpack too much. Um, but you do, like, what is necessary for all of these is you do need a, like, a, you do need a good villain. Right. Um, and that villain has to be right. You're getting all of the Avengers together, so like they all there are five of them to take on basically one, and right. it, and that can't feel again. It has to be grounded in an acceptance. You can only suspend belief so far. Right. Um. And I feel like to tie it back to a topic that I, you know. I record two shows a week. One of them is about wrestling, but to equate it to that topic is like, personally, I always think that the villain is who drives the story. The hero chases the story. Like that's mm -hmm. just kind of the way it works. So you need to have a good villain. It's just, you have, yeah, it's a must. It's a must. So, uh, my seven is guardians of the galaxy one volume one. And you know, it's funny. Like, I I think it's fantastic. Like 
when that movie was like advertised and coming out, like I don't think it had much chance because these are really on like if you unorthodox. Sorry, you it's well, you have to be a real comic book geek to know who these characters are, right? Like, um, and I don't know if it was given much of a chance when it was first advertises coming out. Probably not. Again, it's out there. It's, right. you know, you've got very non-human characters, you know, like, this isn't, you know, Hawkeye who's shooting arrows. This is a, a mutant raccoon in a tree. You know, <laughs> like, we'll call a spade a spade. Right. But again, like, I feel like it's cut from a similar cloth as Deadpool. Um, yeah, you're right. Irreverent comedy doesn't take itself very seriously, but you care about the story because you like the characters. And I feel like my back five have a similar theme here, maybe not Black Panther, but there's a little bit more of not taking itself seriously. Um, with Deadpool, even Spider-Man, Guardians 1, and then um, when we get to 6. But um, I feel like with superhero movies, it can go one of two ways. Like It can be very fun, or if it's dramatic, it has to be done really well. Right. Um, and I guess maybe that is – it shows a little bit of my personality that a good chunk of my top ten is with the fun – the fun side of things, the irreverent, fun, um, little out there. You know, Deadpool's a little out there of a character too. Um, but for sure, yeah, uh, over the top, silly at times. So, you know, that's that's what I like about it. And, and if yeah, I, I um, like Chris Pratt is great. He's great in it. Like I. And the yeah, music like is great. The, the soundtrack. Oh, so it's, it's unbelievable! Like, I gotta tell you, like when that movie came out, I was like, "What the hell is this?" You know what I mean? Like, like, like I'm. I was one of the people that definitely didn't want to take it seriously, and I watched it a couple. I gotta say, a couple years after it came out, and. Like, boy, was, like, I wrong about it. Like, I, it's, the rewatchability of it is, is really, really great. Like, again, you're right. It falls into that line of, like, it's not overly dramatic. It's funny at times, like, a lot of the time. Like, and, and it helps tie back into the rest of the universe. Right, you need it because yeah, it, it, you absolutely need it. It ties into this Thanos chase, you know, right? And and you need it to tell part of the Infinity Stone story because you you can't cram it all into the two movies that are tied around it. You need more, right? And this is a way to do it, but but not make Captain America or Iron Man go into space to chase these down, you know, like. Um, and they did a really good job. I will say. That Guardians 2 is probably my second most watched comic book movie or superhero movie. Um, just because, again, the soundtrack is great and it's fun. 
I didn't. I watched it more than Guardians One, even though I think Guardians One is a better movie. But um, because it's fun, it gives you that rewatchability. Yeah, I agree. You know, you don't have because um, I tend to like darker movies, but you can only put yourself in that space so frequently. Sure, you know, yeah, like, for sure. Yeah. Um, my seven is uh, I again like when I talked about Spider-Man like as being one of my favorite characters as a kid like another one of my favorite set of characters was the X-Men love the X-Men the cartoon was great love the cartoon I love that cartoon it's on Disney Plus too yeah I mean I love that cartoon Um, it was like right before like you would leave for school in the morning it was that and the comic books were great I needed I needed an X-Men movie in my top 10 and the one that did it for me the most was X-Men Days of Future Past now Um, of those movies is this the one with like Quicksilver it is um, and it's you know like it's kind of like a, a little bit of a time travel movie too. Um, a little bit, a little bit, yeah. But yeah, like th- they go back into like the seventies and uh, you know, like um, with Wolverine, like you know, he doesn't have his like antimanium like claws. He just has bone claws. Like, um, like first class is pretty good. Like I again like these movies what they did was they took them seriously and they really put great actors in it um now uh what's his name uh Hugh Jackman has played um Wolverine since like the beginning but like this movie to me is the best of the X-Men movie. It's not... It's dramatic. It's not overly, like, campy. Which um, X-Men, great acting. Which X-Men can be. It can um, be. Because it's very ham-handed when you watch right. it now. It's very ham-handed in the, like, tying um, the judgment of mutants to, like, you know, racism. It is, and, but and it's fine to do, but it does it in such like a like hitting you over the head. Like it's not subtle about it, right? Um, so when I say it can be campy, it's because it can be it can be a little preachy. Uh, it can be, but these movies don't don't really hit on that. I think Deadpool is the only one that kind of hits on a, an anti mutant thing, and Deadpool ties into the X Men. Like that is a crop very it does. crossover. Um, yeah, like Days of Future Past, like it does hit on that because you know, like they're trying to, you know, eradicate mutants from the planet. Um, but it, but that's part of like the X Men. That's their lore, line, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it's uh, that to me is the best X-Men movie and therefore it's in my top 10. Okay. Um, What's in your sixth spot? So my sixth is Thor Ragnarok. (laughs) And I think that that is also your sixth. It is my sixth, yes. 
So I still think that Ragnarok has some of the it straddles both. Like it has some of the not taking itself too seriously parts. It definitely does. Um, but also, again, it's fun. Um, but you get um, it's you know Loki's in it. Um, you get some tie-in with characters. You get Hulk is in it. Um, so it's while it's a quote-unquote Thor movie, it still feels very MCU. And I feel like it is the best of the Thor only movies. We'll see what comes out, you know, in the next round. Yeah, for sure. Like the the now Thor was never one of my main characters growing up, or any comic book I read, or even somebody like I kind of like considered stupid. Yeah, but like I. Starting with the Avengers, I started loving, like, Thor. And the Thor, like, standalones, like, the first one and second one, they were okay. Um, I'm not really a fan. I'm not too much of a fan either. Like, uh, yeah, like, they were just okay. Now, this one just kind of took it to a whole new level. Um, the rewatchability of this movie to me oh, it's off is the charts. it's off the charts. Yeah, it's Jeff Goldblum, he, he's fantastic <laughs> in it. Yeah, I mean he's great in this movie. Um, yeah, <laughs> he's he's really like he makes this movie like why it's in our sixth spot here. You know, like. You need a good villain, and he's a you good villain. You do need a good villain. Um, you know, the the whole, like, you know, sort of, like, origin story of Helena, like, the, the real villain in this movie. Um, yes. The, so... death of, the death of Odin in this movie. Like, uh, Doctor Strange is in this movie. Like, it... And Hulk, like, is a plays a big part like like in the comic books like I feel like Hulk and Thor have fought countless times and, and you running... get that big fight scene between the two of them like it's epic and the running know? kind of thing of like who's the strongest Avenger right you know, like the whole thing um, but yes Helena the, the actual villain but really there's kind of three villains or four. Right. You have Loki, who's always bordering on villain. Correct. He, you have yes. Jeff, Jeff Goldblum. Right. You have Helena. And you have uh, the actual action of Ragnarok. Correct. Okay, yes. Yep. So, um, you and Thor, I feel like you get the classic hero's journey. Right? Like, the hero's journey is a very, like, typical story arc of, like, hero loses, learns a lesson, gets, you know, gets stronger, and then eventually comes around the victory. It's a very normal story trope. And while it doesn't always follow the same arc, I feel like 
Thor is a very good he- Ragnarok is a very good hero's journey. Yeah, I completely agree. And then it it really this movie helps set up a movie that is in my <laughs> it's in my top two. So there you go. Yeah. So um, we both had six Ragnarok. So my five is Winter Soldier. Okay. Now, I know that you and I don't agree fully, um, but uh, I I have had Winter Soldier go up and down my list multiple times, but I think I'm most comfortable here at five. And I think it is the best of... Well, I don't want to say it's the best of Captain America because Civil War is part of that, even though I consider Civil War almost to be an Avengers movie. Yeah, that's a, that's a yeah. I I'm with you there. So I feel like it's the best of the Captain America genre, and you and I fundamentally disagree that like I think Captain America is the centerpiece of Avengers, and you believe it's Iron Man. You know, like which is right. fine. Um, and I feel like that's the point is there's not like it's those two, and they don't see eye to eye. There's like a different moral uncertainty. Um that each of them falls on a different decision-making tree. Um, but I think Winter Soldier's the best, and I think that the Winter Soldier is a great villain. Um, and Bucky it, Barnes. Yeah, Bucky Barnes. Uh, obviously, the, the, that character makes a full circle. But um, I feel like, again, you hit all the story tropes here. Yeah, I mean, I, I... This was, like, something I was considering to, to put in my top ten. Um, it didn't make it um, because, like, I was thinking, like, do I need a Captain America movie in it? You don't. And, yes, a Captain America movie made it in my top ten. But, like, we just said... It's more an Avengers. Correct. So, um, Winter Soldier f- fell out of my yeah. top ten. Um, again, I like a good villain-driven story, and Bucky Barnes is a great anti-hero, especially here, because yes. it is, right, you have this the like how he becomes a villain and then what it challenges um captain america to do or not do you know like and and that's true and that story arc follows you in the civil war but um moral dilemmas are a big um i guess that i i like a good moral dilemma and i feel, feel like that that is true with the rest of my movies going forward right um so we're my fifth movie is and you said this earlier it's probably your most watched The Dark Knight Rises I love Um, watching this movie yeah this like it's a great close to that it is. Um, I love the villain in this movie. Well, there's actually two villains in this movie, but um, 
I really like. I think Christopher Nolan is probably in my top three favorite directors. I agree. And, I agree. Like with his Batman series, it's probably the most rooted in um like real life kind of scenarios. Like there's no like special powers or anything like that. Like Bane as your villain is fantastic. Well how um, great is Tom Hardy? You know, like Tom Hardy is unbelievable in this movie. Like he's got to act basically just with his eyes and his like body, like no other part of his face. Yeah, but the voice is muffled. You know, like right, and you can't see facial expressions under that mask. So like, so much of it is like intense eyes. He just does such a such a great job. And there's so many like arcs in this, like from like you know like Batman, like being on top to getting like like getting his back broken to rehabbing from that to coming out of it as as like the hero um hero's journey it's another like, one right like, yes go- i mean this really like the movie like it didn't take a couple parts right like it was all within the movie of his journey um and I believe, like, yeah, in the comic book, like, Bane, Bane broke, broke his back, yep. Broke Batman's back. Um, but, like, yeah, like, this was kind of, like, rooted in, like, what was, like, practical. Um, I, the rewatchability of this movie is, yeah, it very belong, is very high, belongs in the top five. Well, that whole scene where they have, like, the, like, all-out war on the, like, steps, you know, like, that whole, where the police make the charge, you know, the police right. and Batman, like, that's, that whole scene, if that doesn't get you amped up, I don't know what, you know, like, what right. does, you know? You're introducing Catwoman, um, which I think, like, again, the other other movies with Catwoman have been to me a little can't I, I keep using this word like campy cheesy like Michelle Pfeiffer like like well right so Eartha Kitt um the first Catwoman on like the TV series like she's right purring all the time when she's talking right and then right Michelle Pfeiffer and that character it's a Tim Burton paints a very different world but Right. She has a head trauma that she's behaving like a cat. And this brings it that, like, Catwoman's a cat burglar. Right. You know, like, that's what she is. Right. Um, it brings it back to a, a, a more reality base. Yeah. I mean, she's she's an anti-hero, too. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. Well, and what I like the most about the Christopher Nolan world is... Look, a guy that's going to dress up like a like a bat, right? Like um and fly around the city fighting crime. Look, he's got some problems. <laughs> you know, like right. Um 
he's not just an eccentric billionaire. He's got he's got some issues he's got to work through, and um, you get that throughout the whole the whole trilogy. And I feel like the Dark Knight Rises is a great ending to that trilogy. Like, um, I don't want to talk too much about the trilogy because we do have to get to another movie in it, and we can talk a lot right. more about yes. that. But I think that the Dark Knight Rises is such a like I feel like the rewatch one of the rewatch reasons the rewatchability is so high is because when something ends well, you want to revisit it because you're not disappointed in the ending. You're right. Um, so that would bring me to my four, which is Infinity War. Right. Um, which um, obviously we're getting closer to the top three and this is a movie that's in your top two. It is, yes. Um, Infinity War is very good. Again, uh, you and I have discussed it. Why? Why is this so good? And one of the reasons is is it's taking something again. It's it's a space war um, with stones that make someone a uh, 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 more powerful than a godlike character, right? Because he does right. defeat Thor, who is a god. So. Uh, what makes this so so great is that it still takes it so with the other things where they don't take themselves seriously, this does, and it makes you it take does. it seriously. Right. Correct. And and even with Thor's entrance and he's flying around inside the bubble killing everything, you cheer that. You're not like, oh God, you know, this is dumb. And I feel like it does a really good job in that seriousness. Um and I well, it, yeah, I mean, it brings together like the whole thing, like this the is the whole entire the Avengers, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, this is the beginning of ten year, like the the end of ten years of a story arc building, it's right? Like the beginning of the end. Correct. Um, and I like a story that ends the way this did. I I like you have to have stories that end without the hero winning because it needs to be unpredictable when the hero wins. Right. I guess it's almost like um, uh, the Empire Strikes Back, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, I feel as though this is the Empire Strikes Back of the Avengers movie. The, the Marvel comic universe. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, I see the parallel. It, you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. like it leaves you hanging. You know, it leaves you wanting more. Um, and you know this can't be the end, right? Like you're like, no way does it end this way, right? Uh, but how are they gonna? You know, how is this gonna get fixed and, and all of that? And yeah, um, like uh, so. The best part is, of any story is leaving you wanting more. That's your that's your fourth, right? That's my four, yeah. So, I mean, not to spoil things, but it's my second. Yeah, um, but I think that it's when we when you get into this range, right? You know, it's really becomes a big personal preference part because yeah, all of these are talk about ten. One is we're already whittled down ten out of like twenty movies, and then when you get to the top five, right? Like to me. Everything about this movie, the acting, the script, 
the special effects, um, you know, the, the just like the tie into the whole entire universe. It it it's excellent. The rewatchability of this movie is off the charts. Um, it might be the. I could watch this movie constantly. It might be the most of the Avengers movies. Right. So yeah, that's that's my two, that's your four. And then your four? My four is Endgame. Endgame. Um which is <laughs> the culmination of of basically the the this phase entire. four of the multi, you know the That's... the Marvel comic universe, although they say um, the the most recent Spider Man is, but like to me this this kind of wraps everything up. And... Well, it's the end of the two characters that we just discussed a couple things ago. It's the end of Captain America and Iron Man. Correct. Have been the hinges of this entire story. Right. Um, the reason it doesn't make it into my top three is because um, to, a couple of reasons. You introduce time travel, which can muddy the waters a little bit. Like, some people are turned off by that, like... Um, I'm not a two, fan. I know you're not a fan. And I get why. Um, I get why when I watch it. Um, the other part um, that drops it is it it jokes around way too much. You know what I mean? Um, Which is what put it out of my top ten. Yeah, so, like, I feel the whole thing with Thor is a joke. The whole thing with the Hulk is a joke. Um, they... Now, did this movie... Does, does, a, does a comic book movie have to be so dramatic? No, it doesn't. We obviously talked about ones that weren't. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, in in this point. in this scenario, I don't think you can joke around as much as as they did. So my feeling is is they took all of this time in Infinity War to make you take it seriously, to then do a lot of the opposite in the what is the end of your this long journey to take everything that you did right. to build this up to then make a lot of like again hitting you over the head with with some of the one liners and jokes and yeah fat thor i could really just do without yeah i i get that um but the the to wrap it all up um to, to end basically end out their phase four Marvel comic universe, like I think they did a really excellent job. So that's why it is in my top five. So um, 
Then my three uh, is Logan. Okay. Which is the end of the Hugh Jackman Wolverine. Right. Um, now, uh, Wolverine, the X-Men were, you know, like, that, as you had said with your Days of Future Past, big time parts of my life um, and comic book reading as a kid. And um, this kind of does bring all of the like it it does it, Hugh Jackman does such a good job at bringing the character of Wolverine to life um and they did a good job writing this and um Wolverine throughout or, or Logan throughout this movie is forced into a lot of choices that he doesn't want to make um and uh Again, you're you're stuck with a lot of moral dilemmas, and I, as I said earlier, I enjoy a good dark movie, and mm-hmm. I feel like this movie is, for a comic book movie, is up there with with how dark it is. Yeah, I. I so like, one of my favorite actors is Patrick Stewart, and uh, he's Professor X. I mean, I don't know Professor who else X. Yeah, like. I I mean, he's always been Professor X, but, like, in this particular movie, like, he, like, I mean, he's just a fantastic actor. Um, he really, like, kind of steps it up in, in this particular movie. He's great when Um, he's dying, right? Like, he's he's great. He's, he's 100%. Yes, this is definitely very, like on the darker side of, of movies uh, or comic book movies. Uh, and and I, that is, I think that, you know, when you get into my top three, when I was writing down, like that is something that I just think is just true with my, what I like in, in movies is I like things that are, I don't like always seeing the hero win. And I like seeing the hero be human, even in a superhero movie. I want to see them make mistakes it's why i don't like superman i don't find right yes Uh, yeah i mean we're talking about all these comic book movies like superman doesn't crack my even honorable mention um and and like i i right like i agree with you in that regard um, so when we get here, like this, this gives you kind of Wolverine warts and all. It gives you like this is a very flawed character making some very tough choices to try and do what he thinks is the right thing, but is being forced to do the right thing. You know? Yeah, and I kind of like how they, um, they kept with that theme, even though like I feel as though. Like all of the X Men movies are little, they're all kind of like disjointed. You know what I mean? Like they don't really tie in together, but they really tied in Hugh Jackman's Wolverine into like basically like all these movies, all yeah. all of the X Men movies. And and this is the you know like if if anybody who's still with us hasn't hasn't watched it, this is the swan song. Like to me, this is the best you can get in what it is they're trying to do here which is end a character that's not endable 
Right. So. Great point. That would bring us to your three. Which I think is in your top two. Two is Civil War, um, which is a uh, Captain American movie, Civil War. Yeah, but. To me, it's, yeah, like, what I love about this movie is you are bringing together multiple heroes and they are fighting each other. Um, which... Which is great, right? Like, as Which a is story great. Is which great. is like, yeah, there's no villain, right? Like, well, I mean, the there, villain is, has, there is. The villain plays a smaller role, though. Sure, yes. There is a villain, but the villain causes the Civil these War. two factions to fight each other. Right. Right, he's moving right. the chess pieces into place. Right, for that like to happen, he, he basically like outsmarts them to to decide. Um, like, what's most important to them? Right, like that's kind correct. Of, that's kind of what I right. So what we talked about earlier was these stories have to have a good villain, and what is a better villain than the former hero? And right. what I like about it is really it's up to the audience to decide who in not um, not in the villain, you know, that has triggered Bucky Barnes, but who is right in Correct. the hero part, because it is it is not obvious. Right. And it is it comes down to what you, the viewer value. Right. Like, so. Like it comes down to almost like freedom, right? Like well, it comes down. There, there's part of that, right? And, right. Um, but also, it comes down to like, do you think bringing, like, how much do you think that Bucky Barnes needs to be brought to justice for what he did to Tony Stark's parents, right? Like, um, or how much you don't think he was in control of that? And what is accept the acceptable way to get to justice for the actual villain? Well, and part another part of this is is like it's funny. Like I remember thinking this before I saw the movie is like, all right, like all this destruction freaking happens during like all during these movies. Like cities get destroyed. Like who who's really responsible for that, right? Like and this movie centers on that. Like it brings you back into right. reality. Correct. And I think that part of it makes the movie fantastic. Like you have to it think about that as as a viewer. Like, all right, like, well, yeah, superhero movies are yeah, they're not real, but like you know, like all right, like, but they are destroying cities, and, and there are technically real people in in these cities. Like, who's responsible for this shit, right? Like, and how does and it get regulated? This movie makes you think that it makes you it makes the characters responsible for that. Yeah, and again, the choices that are made 
and what you know like what you think is more important right like Tony Stark wants to play the game and Captain America says we're above that you know yeah well I guess like what really kind of drives them to at odds is like Tony Stark like it's it's almost it really becomes like political right like a difference of opinion like well think about it too like Tony Stark has in Iron Man 1 has been through the like I've seen my weapons used against people that sh- it shouldn't be you know I've right. been on the war profiteering side I don't necessarily like I get where the regulators are coming from right right and where and he puts on a suit where Captain America is just himself you know, like right. he can't not be Captain America. He cannot carry a shield, but he still has the super soldier serum. Right, like, you know, Tony Stark is like, maybe we should be regulated. Yeah, maybe we, you know? you know, we're responsible for a lot and a lot of pain and suffering, and maybe we should, you know, and again, I feel like that ties, it it, it jives with who this, when this character was introduced to us all those years ago in, in Iron Man 1, it all meshes together. Like, it follow, it tracks. Just like it tracks for Captain America. Which is funny, because, like, Captain America, like, is, like, portrayed as, like, this goody-goody, you know, f- you know, follow along with... Do the right thing. Do the, do the right thing. And he doesn't believe that this is the way to go. Well, and then you have to you have to pull some of that apart, right? Because his idea of why this isn't the right way to go is because you can't always trust the people who are going to be regulating you. You know, leaders Correct. change and and whatnot. And you can see where that you know you could see where each of these characters are coming from. And you can again, I think it's left up to the audience to feel like which person, which character they believe is right or wrong. Right, and in this movie, you have a lot of introductions to characters, right? Like, I'm pretty sure this is where Spider-Man is introduced. And um, Black Panther. And Black Panther. Um, is this where And Ant-Man? I believe Ant-Man, right? Yeah, I believe so. Um, so, yeah, like... To me, this, yeah, this is a really, this belongs in the top, the three. top three. Yes, absolutely. So that that's my third. Your that's, that's your my second. Second, okay. So, um, which means we could just go to your two, which two was Infinity, Infinity War for me. Discussed, right? Um, so really, that brings us to number one, which consensus number one, like. This I don't is think not it's something controversial. You think? I don't think so. I don't think it's controversial at all. No, 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 not at all. And it's like, it's not something like me and you, like me and you wrote our list independent of one another. Like we didn't like compare, and it still ended up as both our number ones. Yeah. So the Dark Knight. Um, yes. It's, it's both our number one. Um, it has everything that you could want. Um, it's got, I, I mean, to me, 
the Joker is the best comic book villain in all of comics. Agreed. Um, he's the Ric Flair <laughs> of of villains. Right. Um, and Heath Ledger Heath Ledger does such a great job. Um, it's. I, I mean, it. Yeah, I mean, he won an Academy Award. Like it, it's absolutely incredible. The Joker he portrays is unbelievable. Um, like it just captures you as a fan, like as a as a viewer. Like you're almost like rooting for the Joker in a way than Batman because of Heath Ledger. Um, that's part of it and I feel like right? yeah and um, kind of to tie into this theme that I'm going for is um, Batman feels very changed by his chase of the Joker by the end right um, and that was the Joker's entire point it's like he didn't care if Batman killed him he was going to make him do it you know like he wanted to change Batman because the reality right. is, is like I to tie it back into my life, I always talk about fear and aggression being two sides of the same coin, and really like Batman and the Joker are two sides of the same coin. Um, they're both operating in an unscrupulous way, you know. Like one is trying to justify it the same way I'd say Dexter tries to justify killing, you know, like. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, it's not right. Right. And um, the Joker is, is the perfect foil for for that comic book or movie like um, hero. Um, and like I said, for the Dark Knight Rises, like Christopher Nolan, again, one of my favorite directors of all. I love I. I am a huge fan of his, all his movies. Like, I just think they're like brilliant. And I mean, for a good part of my life, Memento was one of my favorite movies. Right. You know. Um. So. Guy knows how to tell a story. He absolutely does. And again, like when we talk about like like rooted in. Um, Reality, like this, is really hands down like rooted in reality. Like, yeah, it's a superhero movie, but it not none of what happens is like really like outlandish. You know what I mean? Like, there's no superpowers. They're just it's a rich guy with toys, right? Against a crazy guy, right? Or chasing a crazy guy in most of the movie. Um, and then you have the, you know, like, it is a very long movie when you go back and watch it. You know, like, you don't realize while you're watching it how long it is, but it is a very long movie. And you have, again, a series of moral dilemmas, which I enjoy, right? It's, um, does he save Harvey Dent? Does he save um, Rachel Dawes? Um, the Joker being typical of himself tells him the you know like makes him make a choice but then gives him the directions to the opposite choice 
And right. then there's the boat scene of like, hey, if you neither of you blow the other boat up, I'm gonna blow both up. Um, and the one is, you know, basically regular people, and the other one is uh, like pri- prisoners, convicts. Yeah. And um, you know, you'd think that the convicts have no scruples because they're convicts. Like they don't care about killing the innocent right. people, and the innocent people can justify, can justify blowing up the other ferry. Um, because again, it's it's an easy justification to make right, wrong, or indifferent. Because they're convicts, so your your the your characters, even the ancillary ones, are forced in their own moral dilemma. And I feel like um, those are the things that I usually enjoy watching: is watching, seeing people struggle with a decision, and then having to deal with the ramifications of those decisions. Right. And this kind of has it all. Yeah, I mean, by far, I mean. I mean, this, honestly, this is probably the top. I, I hate to be like cliche or anything like that because this is on a lot of people's like top comic book movies or top superhero movies of all time, but it really deserves to be. Um, okay. I mean, you're talking about like Christian Bale, like, is arguably like one of the top five actors we have in... Currently, yeah. Currently, you know what I mean? Like, again, like when you talk about like uh, Christopher Nolan movies, like like going to want to watch those, like, I also want to see Christian Bale movies. You know what I mean? Like, um, and for him to be playing Batman... Yeah, I mean, this is literally like a perfect movie. It's it's perfect. Uh, yeah, I don't think that there's something I would change, or there's not really right a criticism I have. Um, yeah, it's, and I agree with you. Christian Bale is one of the premier actors right now. Um, and you can see that, right? In the wide variety of roles he can play. Um, yeah, like, when you talk about, like, all, like, yeah, right, like, listen, playing the Batman and playing the Joker, it's not easy, right? Like, Well, especially there's, like, in a long list of people, right? By the time this comes out, you've had a few Batmen. Right. <laughs> um, You've had quite a few Jokers as well, and for um, for Heath Ledger, he's got to step into Jack Nicholson's shoes. You know that's sure. not exactly an easy thing to do. Um, but what he did was he took it in a completely different direction. And he did because, like, Jack Nicholson's Joker was more comic booky. And if, does that make sense? Like, well, the the whole Tim Burton Batman, yes, is, like is more comic booky than where where Keith like Heath Ledger's Joker is graphic novel. Yeah, I think that's a. Does that make statement. sense? Yeah, well, think about it. Like in the Tim Burton movies, like there's henchmen, you know, like there's <laughs> like anonymous henchmen, um, and there's like 
you know, so yes, I agree. I agree that that, that would be a good way to describe the difference. Um, because it, in my opinion, there's differences between graphic novels and comic books. Oh, absolutely. A graphic right. novel is almost always much darker, um, but also because it's a graphic novel is trying to hit a different note reality-wise. Right. So I think, yes, I think that that is an apt, an apt way to describe it. And I think you're right. I think that when you look at um, Heath Ledger's Joker, you believe that he spent some time in a mental institution. Right. When you look at Jack Nicholson's Joker, you feel like this is a criminal playing a character. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um. And then, unfortunately, um, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. Why, like he? Because, like, he also won an award for playing the joke, the same character as Heath Ledger. Um, and I really l love that movie. Um, it just doesn't. The notes it's not are the same to me. The notes yeah, are it's different. different. Correct. Um, and one of my biggest, like, again, I enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot. It, and I just called the Joker the Ric Flair of comic book villains, you know, and that's pretty hot. You know, when you, when you make those comparisons, I still feel that way. But that Joker was so similar in a way to Taxi Driver. It's like undeniable to, when you watch it to not feel that way that it kind of can kill it a little bit for you. Right. I think Joaquin Phoenix does a great job but you don't have there isn't a foil. There, there isn't he's the villain there isn't really a hero. Yeah, right. Like, if you... <laughs> right. Like, I guess if you didn't tell me that was a Joker movie and you couldn't name them whatever, like... If he doesn't yeah. put the clown paint on... Right. Um, you might feel like it's a little bit of a rip of Taxi Driver. Right. Um, Which is probably why De Niro agreed to do the movie. I mean... Maybe it was like a homage to him, like or a tip, whatever. yeah, a little tip of the hat, right? You know, peeling back the fourth wall, whatever way you want to call it. Um, but yeah, a, a little. Obviously, it's not a shot-for-shot shot remake, but there is a lot of feeling of it. Yeah, and I actually can't remember like where I saw this movie. Um. I, I, I really wish I did, but, like, I, I, I kind of remember, like, really, like, anticipating it, like, wanting to, like, can't waiting to watch it, you know, it was, like, one of those, like, blockbuster flicks you can't wait to watch, but, um, it, it really lived up to the hype, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, it's a, it's a perfect like to me it's a perfect movie we're talking about the dark knight again not yes yeah 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 the yeah. dark knight um i know i saw it in a the theater <laughs> um but it was some time ago 
I mean, didn't you make a Halloween costume out of it? Fuck yeah, man. <laughs> Come on. Of course I did. Um, All right, so that like rounds that, up that's our, our top, top ten. That's our top ten. So, so I'll, I'll, I'm just going to recap my top ten. Spider-Man Homecoming, Iron Man, Avengers, X-Men, Days of Future Past, Ragnarok, The Dark Knight Rises, Endgame, Civil War, Infinity War, and The Dark Knight. And then mine were Black Panther, Deadpool, Spider-Man 2, the 2004 Spider-Man 2, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, Ragnarok, Winter Soldier, Infinity War, Logan, Civil War and a Dark Knight. So um, I did. We did put two honorable mention movies in. Actually, I have four, but you have four? that's okay. fine. Yeah, I did two, and then maybe what I'll do is I'll do two, and then I'll do what two movies that I consider um, campy but fun. Okay. Um, and maybe not fully in this genre, but kind of. Um, All right. So my two honorable mention were in your top ten, and that was Iron Man 1 and Endgame. And then my fun, campy, but not in my top ten, and just our f- movies I enjoy are um, Kick-Ass and Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. You know, I've never seen that movie. What, Scott Pilgrim? Yes. Uh, it's fun. It, like, And I know I just said that, but Chris Evans is in it. I gotta watch it. Uh, it's it's entertaining. It's different, but it's entertaining. I think that you'll enjoy it if you watch it. And then, so my honorable mentions are Black Panther, which we talked about. The, I guess, Batman nineteen eighty nine. The the, um, the Tim Burton Batman. Tim Burton, Michael yeah. Keaton, Jack Nicholson. Yes. Um, and it. I guess at the time, because it came out in 1989, like it, it kind of it, it took um, it seriously because you casted two great actors in in the roles, um, and yeah, Tim Burton at like he can be a little over the top ish with. Um, visuals and storytelling but and this movie kind of uh, uh, follow along suit the like I guess what I'm trying to get at is like it was a combination of like old time Batman with like a new darker Batman yeah right it, like, it's not Adam West you know like, correct um, right and I feel like Tim Burton set out what he looked to accomplish which is making a live-action comic book movie. Like, yeah. And I, I think... I love that movie. What was I, eight years old? I love that movie. Yeah, so I think that movie deserves to be an honorable mention. I have the first Spider-Man movie, which we talked about with uh, Tobey Maguire. And here's a movie where... I, it's a surprise um, because it doesn't fall in anybody's it doesn't fall in DC it doesn't fall in Marvel and it is unbreakable um, 
it's kind of its own made up comic book movie M. Night Shyamalan correct Bruce Willis um obviously Mr. Glass yeah like Samuel L. Jackson's great right Um, and uh there are things I don't like about M. Night Shyamalan, but this movie doesn't quite fit in his dumb twists. Like, it's a good right. twist. You know, he's yeah. done some movies that have a twist that are just um, not that good. Um, and obviously, we're impartial to a lot of his movies because they take place in Philadelphia, where bad things happen. Yeah, terrible things. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, not quite a comic book movie, kind of a superhero movie in that Bruce Willis is unbreakable. It is a comic, like definitely it is a comic book movie. Um, and you know what, like kind of like sparked it for me was the like the Glass movie. Um, not the what was the last one that ties into that world with the split glass, personality? right? Well, it was glass. Was it called glass um, with the split personality? Well, there was, was split, that split, split, okay, split, which was excellent, right? Um, and then came out glass, which kind of tied it all together. Um, so that is definitely in my honorable mention, like. I put it in there because it doesn't really like there's no source it is outside the mold there's no like source material for it you know Mm -hmm. so that is uh, that kind of rounds out my list Um, we kind of talked about it earlier Um, if we if we didn't have the criteria of live action um Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse would have definitely been on a list. Um, I think it's excellent. It is. It is. I highly recommend if, I mean, if you don't mind watching cartoons uh, or animation uh, to give it a, to give it a watch. It's fun, but it's also, it's not fun for fun's sake. It's good. Yeah. I mean, it's, like I appreciate how creative it is, yep. you know. And then I have a guilty pleasure one on my list, and I had put Batman Returns on there. Um, and I feel like it's very telling of its time because I think Batman Returns comes out in like ninety one or ninety two, with Danny DeVito as the Penguin. And Christopher Walken. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah, you're, you're, you're onto something there. It is a definitely a guilty pleasure. Because yeah, it's um, dumb. It is dumb. Um, but it is fun to watch. It definitely is fun to watch. I, I couldn't agree more. Yes. Um, they did. <laughs> They did hire some pretty good actors to to portray like these villains, you know. Um, I yeah, like you know Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman, and 
I kind of the only thing about that movie is yeah it might have been a little before it's time before technology caught up to it yeah probably but it's it's entertaining you know oh like, for sure I mean I'll watch it right now you know like... <laughs> Oswald Cobblepot um, so yeah and you know what and then maybe we'll probably get out of here because we're, we're running up on two hours but um one of my favorite Danny DeVito movies, and it's like an out-of-the-box one, is Death to Smoochie. That, dude, that, um, that doesn't get enough credit, man. It I really doesn't. Movie. I love that movie. Oh, uh, I, I completely agree with you. Robin Williams uh, is brilliant. Is Oh, I, fantastic. I mean, man, that movie is, that movie's excellent. Um, damn, man. I haven't seen that movie in, in probably like 10 years. I had, um, I think when we started watching It's Always Sunny, I had said to Jules that my favorite movie with Danny DeVito in it is Death to Smoochie, and she, it's just something she doesn't get. Did she watch it? I don't. Th I think she punched out. Like, and to me, right. Robin Williams in that movie is just so fucking good. So fucking good. Ah, uh, it's brilliant. Um, man, dude, that movie is. Uh, is that just like a me and you kind of thing? Like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I feel like that doesn't get enough enough credit well it's um, dark humor it's twisted humor yeah I mean I it's to me it's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> dude it's it, uh, it's great um, but you it's have to like it is dark great. humor you have to like dark humor um, for anybody that hasn't watched and again you're here with us an hour and 50 minutes in um, if you haven't watched it go put it on it's a Robin Williams Edward Norton um, trying to think of who else is in it, but there's a few actors in it, and um, it's about the dark side of television shows like Barney, you know, like um, and it being a money making enterprise, and it's just so ridiculous. It came out in two thousand two. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. Um. Man, so underrated. Yeah, so since we since I brought up Danny DeVito and Batman Returns, I figured I would uh, say my favorite. Did Batman you know movie. Danny DeVito was the director of? The I thought movie? he wrote it too. Yeah, definitely he directed it. Um, I got. I might. I have watch to go. It. I have I to go watch it. Yeah, I might watch it tonight. Um, but yeah, that's. Little little non non comic book movie little little peek behind my right. dark comedy you know like dark movies and I like dark comedy and and that is like one of the ones that does silliness in a dark way just so well right you know it's it's no Robin Williams in one hour photo um, his character in this is dark but hilarious <laughs> hilarious. 
he goes on a you know a character journey of his own. So, um, do you have anything else to add? I do not. I think we covered uh, a lot of ground here. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. All right, so I'll be back right. later this week with a wrestling episode. Um, otherwise, right, I will talk to you next week. All right. See you then.